holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Sutofil. Disparo de Bellerín. Gol del Arsenal. Marca Bellerín. 5 a 0. This is Arscast Extra. Hello and welcome to another Arscast Extra. As always, with James from Gunnerblog. James, I guess, goodly morning to you. Goodly morning to you too. I guess that's what an Arsenal free weekend can provide these days. It is. It's funny, actually. One of the um, recurring themes on Twitter at this moment in time, when we when I put out the thing for for questions, was like, can this interlude last forever? Because it's been great. We've had a stress-free weekend. And then uh, AT, who's at, at underscore Gunnar, says, if all interlulls mean that we don't have to watch the men's team drop points and can still watch us beat Spurs, can we consider making this permanent? It's a nice idea, isn't it? Uh, there was the North London derby, of course. I forgot about that. that yeah. We won um, at that stadium as well. F- sold out allocation of Arsenal fans. That 2-0. stadium. Do you, you don't want to call it White Hart Lane, or what is the just, what's the name for it? Now? Is it still just White Hart Lane, or is it the new White Hart Lane, the new and improved White Hart Lane, the the new and improved White Hart Lane with a wanky brewery in the basement? What is the 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 name of this stadium now? I actually don't know. Is it just the Cheese Room? I don't know room. what it's called. <laughs> the Cheese Room. That's brilliant. That's what we should call it from now on. I think so. Reclaim the term. Arsenal are uh, taking on Tottenham this weekend at the Cheese Room. And the pressure's on Maurizio Pochettino. I mean, the toilet bowl as well does work well for it, doesn't it? Yeah. The toilet roll, or the toilet roll, toilet, yeah. I guess you've got to have toilet roll somewhere. In the toilet bowl, In the, in sure. the proximity of a toilet roll. Mm. I'm sure it's quilted toilet roll. With all their fancy, do you think? You know. I doubt it because I'd say they put so much money into like the the look of it that the the sort of fineries that you would expect to go with it. Do you remember, perhaps in the not too distant past, were you ever not to take this down a disturbing road very early on? But you know, did you ever have to um, use a toilet on a train and yeah. not just for a number one? Yeah, 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 yeah. So do you remember they used to give you this? It was basically like tracing paper. I do, yeah. Yeah. I do. I'd say that's what they have in their stadium now. They've got tracing paper um, because it's all it's all a veneer. It's all a facade. It's all supposed to look good. But when you, when you chip away at the surface, it's basically the kind of stuff that will just smear poo all over you. Sure, sure. It's still Tottenham when you, when you, when you break through the surface. Mm. But it was, yeah, it was, I think it was officially some sort of women's football 
weekend, maybe. So there was like, you know, a big push on ticket sales. Uh, and Arsenal responded mm. by selling out their allocation and, of course, getting the result. I think it's, uh, you know, we were definitely expected to win that one, but no less enjoyable for it. Yeah, 30 odd thousand at the uh, cheese bowl yeah. or the cheese room or the toilet bowl or whatever we're calling it. So, I mean, a, no, I mean, brilliant, though. The tracing paper arena. The tracing paper. Uh, yeah, I, I saw some of the uh, the Arsenal players, I think it was Beth Mead, talking about how the atmosphere was fantastic and taking corners and you're getting booed. You know, it's all part of the pantomime. So, the very first ever women's North London derby. And of course, of course, Arsenal won because that is the proper order of things. And Tottenham women, best of luck to them. Well, no, what am I talking about? Fuck them. Um, They have to learn. It's true. You know, it's not personal. It's just everything to do with Tottenham, right? It's just the way it should be. But they they have to know from the very start that North London is, in fact, red and not tracing paper smeared brown I agree with you and I have to say our, our second goal was quite hilarious because it was a, mm. a loose back pass from a, a Tottenham defender that Vivian Miedemar raced onto and took around the keeper so what they a, sort what of a finish though, as well. did you see the finish she didn't just roll it into the net she blasted yeah. it into the top corner yeah and very cool in the celebration mm. almost uh, embarrassed to have scored it she's good she is she really is. So well done to the Arsenal women. They're uh, third in the table at the moment, but only a point behind the leaders. Chelsea and level on points with Manchester City. And of course, if you're interested in the Arsenal women, do check out the section on uh, Arse Blog News, which Tim Stillman um, maintains and gives you uh, loads of Arsenal women content. Uh, of course, the Arsenal women Arse cast with Pippa. And um, there's a guide there. So they've a load of games coming up now in the next few weeks. So if you're interested in going along to support, there's a, there's a guide there, which I link to on the main blog today you can find out how to get tickets where the games are played etc 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 so you know get on board with the uh, the winningest of Arsenal teams yeah it's a real novelty to see a team, an Arsenal team playing well mm. and picking up points so how was your weekend I mean I noticed from your Instagram stories that you seem to have been at something of a loose end Yes, I, I have been quite <laughs> bored. I mean, that's the problem. I did. I even watched international football. That's how bored I was. Right. I watched England against uh, Kosovo last night, um, uh, which was, again, a game played in an interesting atmosphere because Kosovo were incredibly welcoming to England. So it was sort of a slightly oddly positive atmosphere at a football match. Yeah, I saw that doing the rounds over the weekend. I mean, was yeah. it? A, did they sort of sit down and have a strategy? Did they think, right, this is what we're going to do? Just be I the nice know. guys of, of, of international football? I think it's to do with their political history, you know, that makes them particularly amenable to England and, our, and maybe our involvement in it. But, uh, yeah, it was... That was, I mean, you know, fine. England won that much 4-0. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but that was pretty much it. I mean, there were no Arsenal players involved of any note. So I, I, it was difficult to get too excited about it, really. Yeah, Ireland are playing tonight, actually. Ireland against Denmark okay. in a playoff. Right. Essentially a playoff for qualification, is it? Yeah. Or is it a qualification round? I think Ireland have to win. Maybe it's not a playoff. I don't know mm. what's happening here. <laughs> But I know they are playing, so it's Ireland-Denmark, but, you know, there's a lot of importance on this. Uh, Will Nicholas Bentner be involved? That's the question. Well, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, let's see. I don't know the ins and outs of this one, but certainly in the group, Denmark are top with 15 points. Right. Ireland are third on 12 points with Switzerland 
Granite Xhaka's Switzerland, Stefan Lichsteiner's Switzerland, sandwiched in the middle there. So I think mm. Ireland, Ireland do have to win. Um, what Granite Xhaka's playing tonight, I believe, as well, yeah, yeah, for Switzerland against someone not very good. I forget who. They, there's Georgia and Gibraltar are in the group. It's Gibraltar. Right. It's Gibraltar. They don't have a good record, Gibraltar. No. No, played seven. We're talking. Won none, drawn none, lost seven, goals four, two, goals against 25, mm. minus 23 goal difference. So, the, you know, they're they're up there in Arsenal territory, really. Um, How do you feel about those Because England had a 7-0 victory or something on Friday night, I think it was. Do you, like, do you think they're pointless or do you think actually those matches are quite fun to watch because they're such brutal decimations? I guess if I was a fan of the team that was winning, I'd be, you know, absolutely on board with it. Yeah. You know, I mean, think of the times we've played like smaller teams and give them a spanking down the years. And I don't I don't feel sorry for them. I just like seeing us score goals. So, yeah, look, I mean, it's, it's an uneven kind of match, isn't it? Um, yeah. But it's an uneven player field. But, you know, sometimes it is fun to watch a team be absolutely thrashed. Yeah. I do think. Yeah. Well, something to be said for it. There is. Uh, you mentioned Nicholas Bentner. Of course, he's got a book out now. Did you yeah, see that? Yeah, he has. Yeah, yeah. I'm, Does he I'm, want to come on the podcast and promote the book? I don't know. I don't know. I did remember him saying something in the past about how he never took kindly to, or he didn't take that kindly to the... Um, to the perception that he thought himself the greatest striker that <laughs> that ever lived. Oh, really? So, yeah, I don't know if he'd be up for it. I mean, I'd certainly uh, quite happily talk to him and interview him. It would be, I think, a fun interview. And the extracts from the book um, seem to be quite interesting. Um, you know, one where he's telling Thierry Henry to shut up and then he's having conversations with Liam Brady. And, you know, self-belief was never a problem for, for Nicholas, was it? No, there was another one about when Mr. Ozil arrived at Arsenal. He sort of approached Nicholas Bentner and said, "I hear if you're the man, if if you, if you want a night out, you're the man who knows where to go." <laughs> and he clearly relished this role as sort of you know the party boy of the Arsenal squad. Why? Yes, um, yes, I am. He had the keys to the city essentially. He got but the yeah, Brandon Jacker, did he? <laughs> but I, I look forward to reading that uh, and finding out about you know his tempestuous love affair with a taxi and all sorts. There was a brilliant bit. Um, let me see if I can find it here. Um, it was all about how he was... Uh, oh, God, I've got to find it here. He was about to move to Crystal Palace, right? right? And it was all done. He was in a hotel. He was I can't remember who the palace manager was. Um, could have been Pardew. Uh, let me see if I can find it here. Um, and at, at the last minute, the the deal was was called off. Uh, okay, <laughs> let me see if I can because it's quite funny. This uh, I just got to mute this tab here because it's one of those ones with a disgusting auto playing video. Um, so he's saying uh, basically at the last moment, um, the deal is is called off, but he gets a phone call from Arsene Wenger. And he says, Wenger goes straight to the case. It doesn't matter about your move. We haven't been able to buy the striker we wanted, so now you have to be back up. It will be your job next year. Um, he looks at his agent, who shrugs. Then I call back, <laughs> saying a lot of ugly, disrespectful things like asshole and wanker. <laughs> 
Um, and what is it? Uh, ba ba says, we don't like each other. Uh, I finish my snapping. It will be best for everyone to part ways. And Wenger basically just says something like, yes, okay, see you at training. <laughs> <laughs> so That's brilliant. So he rang Wenger up. Yeah. Just abuse him, basically, for yeah. keeping him at the club. And Wenger was like, very well. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, yeah. We're not we're not getting on anymore. I agree, but see you at training. <laughs> I, I do vaguely remember that. Mm. I think was it maybe it was Denver Bar we were trying to sign again. I, I feel like it was one of those and it didn't right. happen on deadline day and suddenly Bentner was back at the club. Um quite extraordinary. I mean, on the subject of Bentner, right. he's sort of become a sort of comical figure, hasn't he? And, you know, absolutely derided basically in terms of his ability but did you think that there was a chance he might be like a decent Arsenal player at one stage yeah I mean I think when you look at his goal scoring record it's not bad at all no he is he is whatever 50 50 odd goals for Arsenal I think there was obviously a lot of talent there clearly there was a lot of talent there um you know he was big and he was a bit clumsy and and what have you but but, you know, he could score goals and he was really good in the air. Remember that great goal he scored um, when he came off the bench yeah, uh, against Tottenham in a North London Spurs. derby? It was brilliant. Like, it was just an amazing moment where um, he came on the pitch. We were waiting to take a corner. He came on the pitch. The corner came in. I think it was Sesk who took the corner. And Bennard thumps home a brilliant header, one of those really amazing headers. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, look, there was loads of talent there, but clearly there was something missing in terms of the the application or the dedication mm. to to being as as good as he could be, and I think that was sort of evident from from early on. Um, but I think when you look at his goal scoring record in terms of the amount of goals that he scored and the amount of appearances that he has, it doesn't stack up too badly. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. I mean, he's still only thirty one, Andrew. There's still time. He could still come back, be the hero we all, we all need. Well, people are talking about uh, other players who are older coming back, um, which segues nicely into the uh, to the Santi Cazorla talk um, that's been doing the rounds over the weekend because he scored for Spain over oh, the international nice, break. Yeah. And everyone is going, oh, please come back, Santi. And he uh, he uh, he did an interview, another interview, in which he said he, he, he has regrets about not being able to say goodbye properly to the Arsenal fans. And I think that's... I think that's spot on. Um, I can understand why um, why that's the case, but but everyone's just going bring Santi Cazorla back. That will certainly fix all our problems. Um, it's a nice thought, but I don't think it's it's realistic. No, but it would be nice. I mean, it, it's a real shame it didn't pan out in the in the Europa League last season that he could come back to the Emirates and and get that farewell. Really, but incredible to see him playing at yeah. the level he is again. And that he's in the Spain squad as well. I mean, at that age, that is fantastic, really, and scoring goals and playing well. His entire transformation is remarkable. Uh, and, yeah, it's just... I mean, I do feel a bit sad that he didn't get that goodbye, but yeah. I can't I can't say I disagreed with the club's decision to let him go. You know, I think they had really done everything they could for him and to keep him fit and mm. we had to move on it's just a shame and an issue isn't it that we haven't really got a midfielder of that calibre well yeah if we if we manage to sort our midfield 
people will be looking at Santi and going, it's great that he's back there and, you know, good for him. And I have to say, like, first and foremost, I feel very happy for him that he's playing again. He's playing regularly. He's playing well. He's doing mm. fantastic stuff for Villarreal. And obviously he's, he's playing for Spain uh, again as well. I, I do think, though, that he wouldn't be at this level had he stayed at Arsenal and had he not gone back home. I think we underestimate sometimes the... The the impact that just being at home would have, I I think probably weather wise, it's it's better for his injury to be in a warmer climate than you know having the freezing cold of, uh, of English winters and all that kind of stuff. So I don't really have any. I've regrets obviously that it ended the way that it did uh, at Arsenal and and that you know he lost such a significant chunk of his career and it was very difficult for him physically and and mentally psychologically to to be told hey you might never walk again or you might never walk properly again not walk again but you you know you might have problems just walking or kicking a ball in the in the garden with your son let alone playing top level football so for me it's just amazing to see him out there and actually over the weekend this is a this is a little something that i found over the weekend uh, a few years back i was um i was a guest uh, at arsenal versus psg Right at the Emirates, uh, with uh, Puma. I was in the Puma box mm. for that game. It was a two-two draw. I think Unai Emery could well have been the man in charge of of PSG at that time. Um, but Puma gave me some stuff to give away on the side, and um, I found it over the weekend in a box. And what I have here in front of me is a Puma Evo Speed boot. Um, right. It's a left boot, and it is signed by Santi Cazorla. Oh, that's cool. That is cool. So I'll tell you what I'll do is I'll give it away to somebody, to a listener. Um, if you would like to win this boot, should we think of a, a question? What uh, question could we have? Something? A Santi-themed question. Yeah, a Santi-themed question. Um... I don't know. Who did he score his first Arsenal goal against? Correct. Is that too easy? Yeah, that's good. I don't know. I can't remember off the top of my head. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And it's very difficult to find out that kind of information these days. Yeah, there's, there's no, no way they no. could uh, conceivably find that out. No. There's just... If you get any answers to that, I'll be surprised. Yeah, me too. So we've uh, sent you Cazorla boot to give away. If you want to win it, send the answer to that very, very difficult question to competition at arsblog.com. That's competition at arsblog.com and you could have Santi's boot. So there you go. Um, I, I was intrigued because, you know, you were supposed to give that away at the time, but yeah. then you held on to it. But was that just a mistake? You yeah, know, I completely forgot, forgot all about it. Oh, I right. just forgot. I, I'd keep it if I were you. You're a generous man. Well, I am, but, you know, I, I, I love and appreciate all the listeners, so I want to give them something back beyond providing them with, I hope, um, entertainment on a weekly basis. Audio you know, content. Exactly. Let's give, them a, let's give them something else. So that's good. I mean, yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do with a Santi Cazorla boot-like. Um, it's not I, your size, for one. It definitely isn't. Hang on, let me see what size it is. Is it small? Is it really small? It is. It's not as small as you would think. Right. Like... Sort of, um, I guess it's, it should probably say on the boot itself, shouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, I can't see though because I don't have my glasses on. I uh, think they get special ones made by elves for Santa. Um, it does not say what size it is. It looks to me 
with my untrained eye, having got no um, mm. background whatsoever in sure. shoeology. A complete guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boodonomics, whatever you would call it. What People go to college to study the manufacture of football boots. Just sort of holding it up to my own foot, which is a size 10, I would say this is probably a size 8 or 9. Okay. Which is could You see, I don't know if this is actually one of Santi Cazorla's own boots or just a boot that he signed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because remember, remember Arsene Wenger talking about Mikel Arteta and his mm. teeny tiny feet and how, how important it was. Um, that's why he could take a good free kick because he had... Small feet. Small feet. I don't quite understand the... Like... Canu had big feet, but you never saw him take much of a free kick, did you? Exactly. So maybe there is something in that. There is a correlation. Does Cristiano Ronaldo, like what size are Lionel Messi's feet? He is like the best free kick taker in He must history. have, like, you know when you see like little shoes that are made for babies? Yeah. I reckon he's wearing them. Yeah. <laughs> I reckon his feet are smaller than the circumference of his legs. So his legs sort of go to a point almost at the bottom. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I don't know where to go with that, to be honest. <laughs> but he, um, he does bang in the free kick, so the, it's obvious. It's obvious. Small feet and free kicks. There's a website called healthycelebs.com, right? Which this doesn't sound has very healthy. All details about celebrities. Um, so, for example, it has it's on the Santi Cazorla page. Build height, weight, uh, hair color, eye color. Sexual orientation, distinctive features. <laughs> sexual what the fuck has that got For to distinctive features, it's got <laughs> it's quite standing small. only five foot six <laughs> is the first distinctive feature. And the second distinctive feature is tattoos. Right. So it's like a it's like a sort of crime report. But it claims to have his measurements here. So it's got his chest at thirty eight inches. Okay. That's quite big, isn't it? Is it though? I don't know. My chest is about 42, I think. Yeah, I think I'm about 42 as well. But I imagine because all are a lot smaller. Arms, 14 inches. Now, it doesn't say... I'm imagining that's from shoulder to end of finger. Do you know what I mean? Like a 14 little 14 inches? That's tiny. <laughs> 35 and a half centimetres. So 14 inches, just barely over a foot. He'd yeah. be like a Tyrannosaurus Rex. L- like a little penguin. <laughs> like a velociraptor going yeah. around. Running around. And I've got his waist as well. Okay. And remember, this is on healthycelebs.com, so we okay. know this is legit. Yeah. Um, 32 inches. 32-inch waist. I mean, that that's, seems that's, big. That seems, that seems big, big for a guy for, a of five, for five foot six as well. I mean, Who's I'm 32. Little, little chubby bloke with tiny arms. <laughs> but then the bad news, shoe size unknown. Oh, my God. If only we knew what size that boot was, we could contact healthycelebs.com. Religion. Santi is a Christian. <laughs> Coming from Spain, that's unusual. I know. Um, great. First film. Santi hasn't acted in a movie yet. This is full of personal information. <laughs> he hasn't acted in a movie yet. <laughs> <laughs> yet. I like yeah, yet. I like it, yeah. I mean, clearly after he finishes playing, that's where he's going. I'm looking at a full-length picture of Santi, and I think, yeah, I think his feet are quite big for his body. Right. But what about his arms? Are they... Absolutely are they... tiny. 
He's wearing a short-sleeved shirt, but it looks like long sleeves. Oh it's a short-sleeved kit, but his, <laughs> just his hands are poking out the side. Oh, my God. They don't check their information, I guess. I mean, interesting. Yeah, well, check it out. Uh, yeah. Healthycelebs.com. I won't go through, but I'm sure there's other Arsenal players on there we could find out. You know, interesting information for. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm curious as to of, what the uh, oh, the the the, um, the characteristics are of these players. What 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 was yeah. it? Um, distinctive features. Distinctive features. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's try. Give me a, an Arsenal footballer. Um, let's Arsenal let's footballer. let's go one from the past. So let's try yeah, right. Marouane Shamak. Okay, yeah. Let's hope that's the healthy celeb, Marouane Shamak. He's not in the Healthy Celeb Archive. Oh, That's my a real goodness. shame. Okay. Um, Let's try... I mean, is Nicholas Bentner in there? Yeah, l- surely. Surely. Otherwise... What are Healthy Celeb what, doing? What is this website even for? No, he's not there. What? What if this is a whole website that is just... About Santi Cazorla? to Santi Cazorla. Um, okay, let's search within here. Uh, search... Try, give me one another. Let's try one more. Um, we'll d- give up on this website. Okay, let's Lucas Podolski. That's got to be there. He's Surely. very much a celebrity, and he's very healthy. Uh, it's not giving me that. It has, for some reason, returned me Olivier Giroud. Okay, let's so go with it. Let's go we're with looking Giroud. At that. Um, nickname: Le Buteur de Charme. <laughs> <laughs> the what? Le Buteur de Charme, what which translates literally as the the charming goal scorer. Right. Is that his nickname? The charming goal scorer. Or is that scorer. just some French words? Occupation, professional soccer player. Right. Um, uh, it's got all his history of his girlfriends. Okay, distinctive features. Imposing physical presence. <laughs> Beard, Beard is one. Dashing good looks. I mean, you can't argue. They are no. distinctive features. That's true. Um, religion, he is a devout Catholic. Uh, strengths, oh, <laughs> ability to score outrageous goals is listed in his strengths. <laughs> Weaknesses, <laughs> speed, acceleration, attacking movement. And then I like this one last, just squeeze on the end. Sometimes misses crucial chances. First film, he hasn't been cast in any theatrical film till now. Uh, first TV show in November 2013, Olivier Giroud made his first TV show appearance on the French TV series Le Petit Journal. Olivier Giroud, favourite things. His favourite things aren't known. <laughs> God, oh, wow, this is brilliant! I found Granite Xhaka on there as well. I like oh, this. Great, this is amazing. Born name Granite Xhaka. Nickname Granite. That's not a nickname. That's his <laughs> actual name. That's just his actual name. Strengths: passing range, long shots, set pieces, vision, weaknesses, concentration, tackling timing, indiscipline. <laughs> this is what I reckon Arsenal scouts are using to find players. It's so informative. <laughs> It would make a lot of sense. It would make a lot of sense. Yeah. I like they have Mustafi on there as well. Distinctive features. Well-groomed beard. He is very well-groomed, actually. Mm. That is very distinctive. 
Um, wow, this is an absolute first trove. First web show. This is a, in 2018, Shkodra Mustafi made his first web show appearance in the documentary sports series All or Nothing, Manchester City. So it must be something to do with um, the it just pops Carabao up Cup the final though, or something. When they won. I feel like everyone's got distinctive features like imposing frame or, you know, like tattoos, things that make them sound sort of quite impressive and quite hard. Poor Alex Awobi, it just says distinctive features, prominent nose. <laughs> Is that even true? I don't think so. I mean, no. No. That would not be top of my list. I mean, they must be just making stuff up. Oh, they have Hector Bellerin as well. Let's see what oh, they say yeah. about Hector Bellerin. Born name, Hector Bellerin. Nickname, Hector. Yeah, of course. That's not good. That's not of good. Of course. Um, family, father, unknown. Mother has a name. Siblings, unknown. Um, a list of girlfriends. He has Catalan ancestry. They, Distinctive they features. Athletic physique. Chiseled and defined jawline. I mean... True. Mm. Tattoos? Does it say tattoos? No. It doesn't His say... Tattoos, tattoos are not distinctive, clearly. No. Anyway, there's a whole uh, uh, treasure trove of stuff there for people to uh, get their teeth into on healthycelebcom Disappointing to inform you that they don't know how long Alex Iwobi's arms are or his waist. <laughs> So the search goes on. Mm, the well, search goes on. A man's going to run onto the pitch at Goodison Park with a tape measure, <laughs> desperately trying to figure out how long it won't be his arms are. Yeah, and get his inside leg as well, because that's an important measurement that we should all know. If we could. And, you know, neck to nape or whatever it is. What is a nape? I'm not sure. But is, it not the, is it that not the back of your neck? Is that not the nape of your neck? Is it, is on the oh, back? is it? Right, yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Could be. Could be. The I'm not wearing a lot yeah. of suits, as you know, so I'm not getting tailored very often. No, that's true. But I think basically the nape is the back of your neck. Okay. So, right. yeah, from the front to the nape, I don't know. Maybe that's how they get your <laughs> neck size. Yeah. I don't know. Be. You were going to go off on a tangent there. Have you forgotten what it was? Or No, I know what it was. Right? But it was one of the few sort of actual things we could talk about. So maybe we'll get to it, um, which was... Uh, in, on the subject of midfielders, there was a link from Santi Cazorla to Lucas Torreira Ooh. and the the uh, quotes from his representation that have been doing the rounds in the last couple of days. Well, this is going to be a downer, considering where we've just been for the last 15 I know. minutes. This is going to take a dark turn. Um, yeah, not great. Not for the first time either, because there was a, a story a couple of weeks ago in an Italian web publication um, that, you know, it, it's easy enough sometimes to look at those and say, yes, tuto, mercato, web, whatever it is, they could potentially just be making shit up. But mm. um, there was a story a couple of weeks ago how he wasn't happy with the way he was being used and his agent has literally come out and said exactly that. He's not not at ease with his role. He's not happy with, with what he's being asked to do this season. And that's clearly um, being played as a false 10 or whatever the fuck Emery's trying to do with him. So a bit of a worry, you'd have to say. Yeah, and this comes on the back of a summer in which he was linked with a move away, you know, just a year after arriving. Uh, clearly, mm. he is a bit unsettled, and it is a concern because, you know, Granite Xhaka, he's not long for Arsenal, I suspect. Mm. Um, Nicknamed Granite. 
ex- nickname, or Granite, as we like to call him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think he's he's long for London. So I don't think we can be in a position where we're going to lose both those players from our midfield. That would be a real issue. I mean, nobody wants to lose Torreira anyway. So, mm. yeah, troubling, very troubling. And the latest in a, a, a long line of individual yeah. issues, isn't it? Here's a question for you. And you may or may not know the answer. You may have an opinion on this. But it seems to me that since Unai Emery took over, and it was so, it was something that was mentioned, wasn't it? This uh, this um, question of authority slash discipline, where mm. um, it was in that great thread that was doing the rounds a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, where, where as soon as the players kind of figure out that Emery is not the uh, authoritarian that he tries to make himself out to be, mm. you know, discipline within the squad might might be affected in some way, or they might start to take advantage of that. But I have to say, in the 18 months or so that he's been at the club, I can't remember a period with so many issues with individual players. Um, You know, obviously, we had the Mesut Ozil thing, the Ramsey thing, Koscielny doing what he did, and you wrote a very good piece on The Athletic... um, which people mm. can read uh, about sort of why Kishalny really wanted to leave. And, and uh, I don't want to give any spoilers, but, you know, it's to do with, with how Emery was using him um, last season at times. Yeah. Um, we've had Granite Xhaka situation. We've had Mesut Ozil situation again. Um, we've got this Lucas Torreira thing bubbling under. I'm sure there are a couple that I, I can't remember. You know, it's not unusual at football clubs for a a large collection of chaps to have various issues. That's normal. I think it's human nature, whether it's a football club or a workspace or an office or whatever it might be. You know, you're going to have issues with people because people have lives and, um, you know, different, different shit goes on and it makes, you know, work good or bad or whatever it might be. But do you think there's either been an increase in the amount of incidents that are going on at Arsenal right now, or it's the same amount of stuff that's going on, but we were just better at not letting it get public in the past? I mean, it's probably impossible to know, but, you know, the fact that Nicholas Bentner was calling Arsene Wenger up and calling him every name under the sun for not letting him go to Crystal Palace, and it's taken us years to uncover that, Mm. suggests that we were... Uh, somehow better at keeping things in-house. And maybe there was... It just feels like there was maybe more respect for the manager and that consequently, you know, it, when there were disagreements, they they were internal. They, mm. didn't get, they didn't get sort of leaked out. And I feel like the sheer volume of things we're seeing at the moment, I mean, there were even some quotes this weekend, weren't there, from Hector Bellerin's agent? Uh, yeah about him being, you know, interested in a move to Italy or potentially. It just feels like a sign to me that maybe we are sort of approaching the end for Unai Emery. You know, maybe once a a manager's authority gets eroded away, these things slip out all the easier. That's how it it seems What are you on about? What are you on about? (laughs) He's completely and utterly safe in his job. That's true, 100% backed, yeah, yeah. I mean, results Um, back that up. Results do back that up, and I apologise for all the noise that I've made in the last couple of minutes. But, uh, yeah, it does seem like that to me. It seems like something has sort of... um, The mask has slipped a bit. 
the crown has slipped and just consequently everyone's revolting a bit. Everyone uh, is revolting, yeah. Everyone is revolting. Uh, particularly but at the yeah, top I, of the I club. Do, yes, but I do think it is... Um, I would also say it does feel particularly pronounced. I mean, the issues that we've had, Shaka, Koscielny, you know, there was a story about Aubameyang, wasn't there, just mm. before the international break, and, um, you know, he sort of bit back a bit on that. It, it, the list does kind of go on and on. And when you look at Emery's previous clubs, there is a bit of that there too. I mean, at PSG, the yeah. Neymar thing dominates, understandably, because he's such a massive star. But, you know, there was also... Hatton Ben Arthur, there was also Thiago Silva, there was also Blaise Matuidi. There were players that he had, you know, individual uh, interactions with that didn't go well yeah. beyond now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yes. He's got some I, form for that, doesn't he? Yeah, I do think, you know, man management is not uh, his greatest asset. I think that's a, a fair thing to say. And, you know, if you look at someone like Freddie Jumberg, I think t Tim Stillman made this point on the Arsenal Vision podcast. Part of the the thinking of bringing him into the first team was presumably, well, this is a guy who does seem to get on with players and who mm. does seem to be very personable and, you know, uh, seem to connect with the, the younger elements of the squad. Emery doesn't really. And there doesn't seem to be a vast amount of loyalty to him from the outside. It doesn't look like that, given the amount of stuff we're seeing coming Yeah. Out. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's just another, another, um, another. I'm going to say I was going to say nail in the coffin again, but I, I just think it's another sign that things are not going well. And an unhappy dressing room leads to an unhappy team. An unhappy results lead to an unhappy dressing room, and it's all a big circular thing. And you know, I, I don't even see the need to to say again what I think the solution might be. I mean, mm. that is, you know, you've seen it so many times, though, haven't you? A player is really unhappy at a club and they bring in a new coach and all of a sudden it's like, ah, hey, this guy's going to play me in my best position and, uh, you know, I have confidence and trust and belief in him and it works both ways. You know, he, he never really, you know, speaking on a very... Um, wide level here or, or vague level, he, he never seems to... Um, display a, a measure of trust in his own players, if that mm. makes sense. It's it's one of those things where even with, with Xhaka, um and when he made him captain and, and he sort of gave his reasons for it afterwards, it was never, it never felt rock solid or anything. No, no. I guess it's, you know, if you treat people like adults, they behave like adults and mm. if you foster this kind of slightly odd... Uh, school atmosphere maybe people start acting up mm. it's, it's a, it is an interesting one oh, just on the, quickly on the Torreira one like I've, obviously I really hope he stays at the club and I think a change in manager and a change in tactics would help him do that I just have a little hunch on Torreira we've heard so many noises from his agent about Italy mm. um I just have a slight hunch that he sort of really likes it there and that that might be a factor almost irrespective of what happens with the management. I hope not, because I think he's got really good potential, but it sort of keeps coming up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it might be a case that, it, you know, he's, he's you know, finding it difficult to settle in England or, or finding life in England yeah. a bit difficult. Um, I don't know what the uh, Uruguayan community is like in London. I don't know if that's a thing or, or whatever, but, mm. you know, he wouldn't be the first uh, player or won't be the last player to... Um, 
to come and just not settle. So I hope it's not the case too. But I do think that if he was in a team that was um, set up to get the best out of him, and clearly the, the big issue is that he's, he doesn't like being asked to do um, what, what Emery is asking him to do, which is to be a presser, to play mm-hmm. higher up the pitch, you know, to get in the box and, and create chances or, or take chances. You know, that's not, what, that's not what we bought him for. I mean, we literally bought him because he was... Um, you know, Sven Mislintat went out, crunched all the numbers, give me a player who can do this, 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 and this because we need a defensive midfielder. That's who we found. We scouted him. We brought him in to do that job in the team, which he was given early on, but over time, Emery just doesn't want to play him there. So I think it's, you know, it'd be like being, um, it's sort of like being a central defender and being asked to play right back week in, week out. And you really want to be a central defender, but you're being played at right back eventually you're just going to get fucked off with it yeah. um, and in fairness to him it's it, you know it it doesn't ever look to me like he's incredibly unhappy and I think that's a credit to him like he he commits mm. to that role uh, even if it's not what he's most comfortable doing and you know he he, he does his best at it so you know he's, you can't fault his professionalism but if yeah. he's not happy um, that is a big a big worry and you know yeah, I, I I feel for him. After his first six months at Arsenal, things haven't sort of panned out for him you know, mm. as he presumably planned. You know, again, well, before we call an end to this part one, which I think I'm going to do now, I, you know, it's so difficult to make individual assessments of players at this moment in time, isn't it? Because there are just mm, yeah. systematic problems and, and issues with the team and, and we've been over them a thousand times, so we don't really need to go down that road again. But um, yeah, look, who knows? Maybe there'll be a different Torreira in three months. Um, we'll see. I guess it depends who's picking the team. It does, yeah. And ultimately, it depends on the results. I mean, footballers are never happier than when they're winning matches. Mm. So that would make a world of difference. Or in a nightclub with Nicholas Bentner. Oh, they love that as well. In a, in a nightclub with Nicholas Bentner with their trousers around their ankles. That, I mean, that's the dream. That's why people move to London. Yeah. They're that's special- why Ozil joined us. <laughs> that's how we pulled that off. That was the presentation. They showed yeah. just slides of Nicholas Bentner in a club with a bottle of champagne. Look at this. London is famous for its taxis, and look what Nicholas Bentner <laughs> does with taxis. You've got your pick of the taxis here, Messit. Um, anyway, on that disturbing image, I think yeah. we should uh, call an end to part one, and we'll come back with your questions and more in part two right after this. We can get anything delivered from furniture to toilet paper. And now, adult beverages with Drizzly. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly's giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code EASY5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. This holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. 
Welcome back to the Arsecast Extra. As always, what? I don't do that bit there. That's not that bit. What am I supposed to be saying? Welcome back to the Arsecast. Oh, this is part two. This that's right. is the part. That's what you say. That's, uh, yeah. This is the part where we answer the questions that you sent to us on Twitter, at Gunnerblog, and our Arseblog on the Arseblog Facebook page, and also on the Arseblog Patreon Discord server. Um, which you get access to if you're an Arsblog member on Patreon. If you want to find out a bit more about Arsblog and the site and how it grew and everything else, myself and Andrew Allen did a podcast last week, a video live stream thing, which you can watch back or you can you can listen to as a podcast, uh, which goes into the history of the site from 2002 until today um, with some questions from, from listeners and what have you. So that's patreon.com forward slash Arsblog. It costs a fiver a month. That's it. I've still got a croaky throat here. Because uh, mm. I've got a bit of a cold, but there you go. So questions. Um, questions. Do you want to go first? I will. This is from Rob Earl on Twitter at Exxon. And Rob says, not in a derogatory way at all. Uh-oh. Which is a good start to a question. Mm. But as a fellow North Dublin man, I'm often fascinated by your accents. <laughs> I know you lived in Spain, but anywhere else. Hashtag interlow question. Hashtag interlow. Well, look, I a uh, fellow Dubliner for sure, but not a fellow North Dubliner. I'm on the south side uh, of Dublin, but that explains um, it. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. Um, where else have I lived? No, I mean Dublin, Spain, and of course uh, my formative years until about ten years of age in the in the UK, um, living in in uh, in London and then in Yorkshire. And I think my accent comes from the fact that, A, you know, uh, I was radio radio guy for a while. But also, when, you, when you're 10 years of age and you come back from Yorkshire to Dublin and you go into school in October, so you're not even there for the start of the new school year, you're the weird kid who comes in while school has been underway for about six or eight weeks and you get dumped into the class. And you have a a Yorkshire accent in Ireland in 1981, um, you lose Tough. it pretty fucking quickly, yeah. I think. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's where it comes from, to be honest. Um, yeah, like I get accused of being American all the time and, and stuff, but, you know. Accused. Accused. It, it is, it is quite a horrendous accusation, isn't it? How, anybody. Are you, are you an American? <laughs> No, I've did you. No, please. Have- Honestly, I lived in Yorkshire. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, lads. No, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I, I have done voiceovers for people before, and they said, "Yeah, it's crazy." Yeah, but we just didn't want an American voiceover. We wanted an Irish one. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> all right, go ahead. It's then. unique. It's a unique accent. That's the good thing. Well, there you go. It is a bit sort of DJ Mid Atlantic, though. That's that's you know that's not yeah. unusual. Exactly. Um, Yes, I mean, if we were presenting Top 40 Radio right now, here's the number one. <laughs> See? I don't know what's number Beautiful. one. What's number one in the hit parade these days? I don't I know. Honestly, I have no idea. Uh, I really, since they can Top of the Pops, I've really lost track of... Okay, what is the, the number shots. one single in the UK now? It'll be impressive if, I, if either of us know it, I think. It will. Um, Billie Eilish is heading for the highest new entry... With everything I wanted, okay. she's very good. I know who she is, but I don't know what that song is. I don't know that song. I know the song about that she's a bad guy. I know that. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, the song is called. Oh, it's a really bad song, and I do know it. 
It's called oh. Dance Monkey. Oh, yeah, yeah, With this yeah. really weird kind of child, like... That one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't like that. Ooh, ooh, ooh. That one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a very strange uh, lyric, yeah. Like, the vocal on that is like a... Like a doll would sing. Yes, a creepy, weird doll that sits on a shelf and can move its own head. Yeah. What's the number one single in America right now in the Billboard charts? Let me have a look. Let's have a look. It's Louis Capaldi. Of course it's Louis Capaldi. And number one, Louis Capaldi with Someone You Loved. I don't know that song. Oh, yeah, that's that song. Do you know that song? No. You do. Uh, do I? He, he, he's, and he sings a bit like he's, it goes like, uh, Oh, that one. Of course. Yeah, yeah. I know it. Yes. It's not a baby. It's a devil. I'm We lost all our listeners. Yeah, well, it's a beautiful rendition of what is clearly an amazing piece of music. Yeah, um, he doesn't look like a pop star, Louis Capaldi, does he? He doesn't, and yeah, I believe he's related. Fair play to him. He's related to the um, Peter Doctor Who. Yeah, is he? Yeah, yeah. Wow. What I mean, family. how many Scottish people called Capaldi can there be? How many Scottish people can there be? To lots, be honest, it's just... lots. It's a big chunk of land up there, <laughs> largely uninhabited. Surely, well, in the wilderness. Take it up with fucking Mel Gibson, mate. Yeah, true. Actually, when they all run at you, yeah, it's scary. Yeah. Uh, well, there we go. We've all learned something. That's true. Mel Gibson. I'm quite impressed. And, we knew both. Well, between yeah. us, we knew both those songs. We are quite hip. Clearly, I think that's what the kids say. Clearly, we were not past it just yet. <laughs> Getting there, but not quite. Um, uh, I think I should have a question. I okay. I, I should have a question. Um, let's see. I did have some here. Um, God Almighty. I'm not very well prepared here. I've got some if you want. Uh, yeah, uh, go on then. Right. This is from Quiggers on Twitter. <clears throat> All right, Quiggers. Edward, All right. Edward underscore Quigley. But he's gone with the nickname Quiggers. I wonder if everyone calls him that already or if he's just sort of trying to get that going. Yeah. Um, like, good, is, good is that him, branding? He wants yeah. to be like... He turned up on the first day at university. My name's Edward, but everyone calls me Quiggers. You can call me Quiggers. Puts a little sign on his door in halls, you know, Quiggers. Yeah. It doesn't take off, but he keeps doing it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Quiggus, <laughs> thanks for your question. Are either of you watching slash going to watch I'm a Celebrity, what with Righty being in there? Absolutely not. Okay. No I way. will be then the correspondent. You I will can, watch it. You can do that. I mean, I, I look, I've seen uh, little clips of it because... Um, there are people, yeah, it, there are people yeah. running his social media. So obviously I follow him on uh, on the old gram and the, the Twitter and uh, I can see some bits and pieces of it. But no, as a general rule, I don't watch sort of reality TV shows like that or or what, what's the other one? Um, uh, Love, Island Love Island and all Love that Island, kind yeah. of stuff. It's just... The bachelor, yeah. these kinds of things. Not for me. Not for me. Did I you used to watch like Big Brother in its sort of 2002 heyday. I think I did watch the first series yeah. and maybe the second series of, of Big Brother because it was something new and at the time, yeah. Yeah. What was the guy called? Nasty, Nasty Nigel. Nick. Nasty Nick. Nasty Nick. Nasty yeah. Nick. He wrote things down on a piece of paper. Oh, but how evil. 
No mm. wonder he ended up on the front pages. But I uh, I did watch Righty um, and some other celebrities, in inverted commas. Mm-hmm. Um, who else is on it? I don't know who else is... Who's who's in there with him? Um, who's in there? A, a guy who's an Arsenal fan, who's like a Radio 1 DJ. I think his name is Ronan something. I mean, as we've just established, I'm not listening to Radio 1. So... Uh, I don't know what his surname is. Why don't is. you listen to Radio 1? Because surely that's how you uh, keep up to date with all the Lewis Capaldi and Billie Eilish Sure, hits. sure. That is actually where I'm getting all my fix. Um, oh, on the subject of weird accents, um, oh, that's his name, Ronan Kemp. Roman Kemp, sorry, Roman Kemp. Roman sorry, Roman. Kemp. He's Martin Kemp's son. <clears throat> yeah, Martin uh, Kemp. Yes, of course, Spandau Ballet. Yeah. I think he was in the jungle. It's like uh, the... The duty. Uh, On the subject of weird accents, Nadine Coyle has the most extraordinary Northern Irish accent I've ever heard. Yes. Um, Do you know who I mean by that? I do know. She was in Girls Girls Aloud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I mean, honestly, it sounds like someone who's been hired to do a Northern Irish accent and can't really do it. I mean, uh, yeah. Have you heard, have you seen the clip of her saying the word flower? (laughs) <laughs> no okay uh, no I'm going to play this clip so okay. basically she's on some kind of um, oh look it looks like it's a show with um, with uh, Tim Lovejoy which is unfortunate some kind of cooking show is that oh, where Tim oh Sunday brunch Sunday brunch that's where he lives now right so mm. after you know his football presenting career came to an end he moved into cookery shows it's like a weird cookery breakfast show where they have sort of awkward conversation about the book they're promoting while they cook stuff right so anyway nadine coyle is baking something so she's using she's using flour but um she really does say it in an extraordinary way so hang on let me see if i can get this i'm gonna play it now hopefully there won't be an ad beforehand but okay people enjoys cooking i enjoy cooking yeah. bacon and stuff working with flour <laughs> wow yeah These people enjoys cooking i enjoy cooking yeah. bacon and stuff working with flour see just adding in extra extra syllables extra to words. vowels where are they coming from yeah um yeah she she's got a great i mean it's worth tuning in for her voice to be honest who else is in it um kate garraway who's that poor woman who has to sit next to Piers Morgan in the mornings on right. TV. Oh, God. Uh, no wonder she has escaped to the jungle. Uh, Caitlyn Jenner. Okay. Who I'm not massively aware of, but is famous, I believe. Um, do you know Andrew Maxwell? Yes, he's a comedian, Irish, Irish comedian. comedian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in there. Right. Um, he sort of went in saying, I know no one knows who I am, uh, but here I am. Yeah. But I, I know okay. who he is. I think he's quite good. And Ian Wright, obviously. And yesterday he had to stand on top of a building and sort of walk out on a plank, like above a sort of, you know, a massive drop and stand out there. Oh. Yeah. And he had to swim through the sea. But don't don't they like make them eat scorpions and shit like that? Is that not the whole thing of the show? Yeah, that's all to come. That's all to come. Right. Um, You know, I think they've had to cut back on that because obviously it's incredibly cruel. Mm. Um, so I think it's more just like, oh, this is a kangaroo's anus or something like that. But you know. what, they have to eat a kangaroo's anus. 
Yeah. That's worse than eating a scorpion. Because, like, well, is it attached still to the kangaroo? No, no, that's no. It's not, not like, good. it's not like they give you a live kangaroo and say your challenge is to eat, it, eat the anus. <laughs> You gotta catch it first. You get a good fucking thumping off a kangaroo if you try to, you know, rim it. Sure, sure. It depends on unless kangaroo could could like it. The the, um, Ian Wright, I'm sure, will do very well, right? Because he's very Mm. likable, and uh, yeah, I'm sure it'll be great for him. I think he'll win that at a count. But is it is it a who decides who wins? Is it like the public? Do they the vote for it? The public vote for their favourites and the one who gets the least votes sort of gets knocked out. But we know how powerful Arsenal fans are. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They win all the Twitter polls and That's everything. That's true. That's Surely true. He's he's he will be crowned. Okay, the only way he can win it is if the, you know, the people uh, who make the TV show, you know, frame it in such a way that that you know they 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 nobble him if you yeah, like they might. with their editing and you know they create the narratives and stuff like that. So, well, it'd be interesting to see. I mean, yeah, I, I, I love him, right? Obviously, in, as a he's a hero of mine. But mm. if he did get slightly bored and pissed off sitting in the jungle all day, mm. not doing much, I would. That'd be fair enough. Wouldn't right. it, really? Well, look, you can you, you're you're going to watch this, so you can provide. I, I'll let you know anything significant that if, yeah, if we'll he says d- anything about Emery, I'll let you know. We'll do it on the podcast. We'll do a weekly righty update as long as he is in the jungle. Where are they? Australia. Yeah. Australia. Right. Do you think they have jungles in Australia? Well, yeah. I mean, I know they have the bush, right? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Is it not called the bush? But they call it the jungle. They have rainforests, so I guess okay. that's kind of... That must be it. There or thereabouts. There's snakes and stuff, snakes and frogs and... Spiders. You know, spiders, yeah, that would, that, would, that would freak me out. And kangaroos with scorpions in their anuses. Yeah. <laughs> dangerous, dangerous beast. Let's move that's away from... <laughs> uh, deep fried. Let's move away from that for a second to talk okay. about something less enjoyable. It comes from MJC on the Discord, and he says... Do you think the Invincible record is in jeopardy? And how unbearable is the mug smasher at the moment? He's not really um, that unbearable because we don't talk about football. Um, Good policy. Yeah. Is it in danger? Um, I'm not worried about it yet. But then, you know me, I'm never worried until it's too late. I think... (laughs) I just think it's so difficult to do um, Mm. that... And they've got to go to Man City. Uh, uh, they just spanked Man City the other week. So, yeah, I did know. see that. I did see that. That's not really... They don't look like they're going to lose a game, do they? Massively. They don't, but I think what's going to happen is... in When is the when is the um, Merseyside derby? Um, not sure. Let's have a look here. Liverpool fixtures. It is in, oh, a couple of weeks' time. Oh, it's on that weird... That weird night where all the games kick off at quarter past eight. For whatever. On the Thursday? The Thursday. Yeah, I don't the know what fourth. that is. I don't know what that is. Arsenal versus Brighton is quarter past eight on mm. that Thursday. Stupid fucking time. But um, Liverpool versus Everton. Alex Iwobi scoring the winner for Everton at mm. Anfield. Set up, of course, by none other than Theo Walcott. And they preserve 
the unbeaten uh, season record for another year for Arsenal. That's it. Is That's that, my is prediction. That Goodison Park, that one. No, it's at Anfield. So just oh said, wow! It's going to make it even better. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, that, mm. no, that will definitely happen. Um, <laughs> fingers crossed. Alex Iwobi, mm. you're our only hope. Help me, Alex Iwobi. Alex Obi one Kenobi. Obi Kenobi, exactly. Obi Kenobi, yeah. Obi Kenobi. You got uh, one? Are you worried about it? Uh, not yet. Not yet. Um, slightly, though, it's sort of like a creeping anxiety at this point. You know, mm. if they get to January the 1st and they haven't lost a game, then I might start getting a bit, a bit itchy. But... I mean, yes, if they get... When do we... When is Arsenal versus Liverpool at the Emirates? Good um, question. Um, it that is, is in May. Crikey. Oh, my God, the 2nd of May. Crikey. It's the third last game of the season. If they get to that, wow. Wow. The invincible title on the line, that would be... That'd be a hell of a game. Some some occasion, mm. yeah. And whilst we're locked in a battle for tenth, the drama. Could we make it? Let's hope so. Uh, in fact, I had a question along those lines, so I better find it. About so finishing Mark, tenth. Yeah, well, not quite. But Mark on Twitter, who's at MDB Teach, says there's so much talk about not qualifying for Champions League for Arsenal. What would the ramifications be? if we didn't qualify for the Europa League, which is quite possible? Well, I guess no European football at all. Yeah. Financially, that would be That would bad. be bad, yeah. I mean, look, I know the Europa League is quite meagre, slim pickings in comparison to the Champions League, but it still, still all adds up. Um, I'm definitely guilty of sort of assuming the Europa League is our... Is our base right yeah you know the, what I mean? yeah a few people pulled me up on that last week when i was talking yeah, about it. i was so. going like we don't we can't have another season of europa league football and people are going well you know it's not necessarily not. <laughs> not necessarily nailed on that we're getting um uh, europa league football next season if we continue at this trajectory uh, and on this kind of form we're definitely not finishing in the in the europa league so yeah. I mean, look, it wouldn't be good. And I do think we, we, you know, we've got to address the situation sooner rather than later. But again, feels like old ground, doesn't it? Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, what, where, where do you have to finish to not get in the Europa League? Depends Eight? on cups, doesn't it? Yeah. Depends where did Wolves finish cups. last season? Uh, they finished seventh, did they? Yeah, I think so. Let's have a look. Um, Premier League table. Yeah, I got it. I got it. It's coming. It's coming. Yeah, they finished seventh. Who won the FA Cup last year? Mm, City won everything, didn't they? Did they? Domestically. Yeah. Okay. I can't remember the FA. Oh, they beat Watford, didn't they? By like 12 nil yes. in the final. A memorable I turned, final. I turned off after like the third goal or something like that. So yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. Um, they won all the domestic trophies, I believe, mm. um, as they will do. So yeah, I mean, look, it, it is possible, and it would be an absolute disaster. So we're wrong to assume that we'll that we'll end up in the Europa League. It could get worse than that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We would need some teams to sort of sort themselves out, but that could happen. You know, that could happen. Yeah. 
It's hard uh, to predict. Let's have this question. Okay. I know it's your turn, but I'm I'm on a roll. Yeah, yeah it's okay. Um, Taking initiative, I like it. Freddie LJ, so on Patreon. So I guess that's um, on the Discord. I guess that's Freddie Umberg, isn't it? It is, of course, yeah. He must be listening. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Do you think... The rejecting of Dave O'Leary from the board has any real amp- impact on the club as a whole, or is the power now consolidated away from the historical custodians uh, and they are now just ceremonial? I think they are just ceremonial, aren't they? Because it used to be a case the board was important because decisions had to be made and ratified by the board, and now, well, they don't because mm. KSE can do whatever they want. And if people you know, are, are wondering a little about the Dave O'Leary thing, um, certain board members put forward the idea of David O'Leary being added to the board um, and they put that proposition to Josh Kroenke and Josh Kroenke had a conversation with Raul Sanyehi and uh, between them they decided no, that's not a good idea we don't need to do that and now the, the, the power at the club which, you know, I'm not saying there's a good thing or a bad thing is with Sanyehi, who is the head of football, Edu technical director, Vinay, um, and also Husfami, I think are the four guys in this little sort of power group. And, and maybe that's the way that it's going to work at a modern football club where, where you have executives who are going to call the shots. And that's literally their job is to run the football club and make the decisions mm. about the football club. Um, I also think it's, it is it, it is important, isn't it, for a club not to lose sight of its history and its traditions and the things that it it supposedly um, holds dear in terms of its values or its approach. And, you know, just knowledge of a football club is is an important thing because otherwise you, you kind of lose sight of who you are and what you're supposed to be. So I do think there could be a balance. Obviously, we've been talking about the, the, the arrival of of Arsenal men back into the setup, haven't we? Because we've got Per Mertesacker, who's the head of the academy. We've got Freddie Jumberg on the coaching staff. Edu is, uh, you know, is a technical director. So I, I think it might be a case in, in this situation that the board are, you know, unhappy um, that they've sort of been sidelined in a way because, you know, when it comes right down to it, who's making the decisions? It's not Sir Chips. And it's not no. Lord Harris. It's it's Josh Kroenke. And it's Raul Senyehi. Um So yeah, look, it's it, it's maybe a sign that that things are are changing, and this is going to be the new structure going forward. But um, how, how do you feel about the 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 suggestion of David O'Leary? Um, I was talking to somebody during the week um, who who knows both Arsenal very well and David O'Leary very well who thought this would be a good idea because he's, you know, he's got a lot of experience. He, he is the club record uh, appearance holder. Mm. He knows Arsenal inside out. And they thought that his knowledge and his knowledge of the football club and his knowledge of football in general would be beneficial to the board if he were allowed to have, you know, an input into, into what we were doing. I know for some people, um, his his reputation was tarnished a little by the time that he spent at Leeds where, you know, I can understand him wanting to do the best job that he he could do for Leeds, but there are a few moments, you know, where it felt like he was a bit anti-Arsenal, if you like, Mm. at that time, because the rivalry was a bit intense. And, you know, you remember the, the, the incident with Robert Perez and, and what Mm. have you. So I think that's kind of tarnished, tarnished his, his, relationship a little bit with some fans 
But, you know, he played for the club for however many years, 700-odd appearances. You know, you can't say he's not a, a, an Arsenal man, and he's there or thereabouts now. So he's he's sort of in the director's box uh, for games at, at home, and he's in the director's box when we travel away. He goes with Pat Rice and some of the other, I guess, people who are in ambassadorial roles. Um, yeah. But at the same time, he's been quite a while out of top-flight management. Um, was Villa his last job, wasn't it? Think so. And that's yeah, a I mean, good. You, that's a good few years ago it's now. A long time ago, yeah. So, yeah. Look, I guess it depends what you want from from David O'Leary. Do you want him guiding and shaping your football strategy? Um, maybe he's got something to offer in that regard, but not necessarily as you know the overall boss. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's and how uh, could we forget Andrew his 2010 to 2011 spell with. Uh, Dubai football club Shabab Al Ahly. How indeed could we forget that? <laughs> How, but yes, uh, in, Eng- in English football, 2006, Aston Villa was his last managerial job. Right. Um, so yes, I, I, I think you know people speak very highly of David O'Leary. Uh, like you, I've heard people say he's very well connected, both within Arsenal and outside Arsenal. Mm. He knows everybody in football. Really, he's been around a long time. Um, you know, he's an Islington. Uh, boy, I think it was born in Stoke Newington and played record club record holder in terms of appearances. I don't see the harm really in having him part of that board, but clearly there is a bit of a well. There's resistance, isn't there, from yeah. the Sanyehi side of from things, the executive side, yeah. yeah, because it's it's sort of like, well, no, we're the ones in charge now, mm-hmm. and um, you know, we have to see whether that's uh, whether that bears out. Yeah, a good thing or a bad thing. Um, yeah, well, look, we'll see. We'll see. It doesn't look like anything is going to happen um, from from the O'Leary point of view, whether it means... I mean, I don't know what we do with the board. Now, Sir Chips is obviously still the chairman, but, you know, we don't have to have an AGM anymore because of the, the, the fact that KSE own all the shares. Um, yeah, I don't know. I it's, don't it's know. A, yeah, it sort of feels like one of those moments where... Watershed feels quite big, but it's like the the door is slightly being closed on an old Arsenal, isn't it? You know, and and it's a very, very much a new mm. modern setup now, and that has yeah. good and bad within it. Um, okay, here's a question uh, from Ben Grouse on Facebook, who says a lot of chat in recent podcasts about the not Emery option, Freddie taking temporary charge, etc. But we also now know part of the reason Emery got the job over Arteta was the lack of coaching team. How much mm. do you think this will influence the decision over the next head coach? I think, I, I think it. Sometimes I think about it as a factor. You know, people say. We'll just get rid of Emery. That will cost us five million or whatever mm. it is. I do sometimes think people forget you've also got to pay off all his staff, um, and then you have to hire not just a, a head coach but mm. their staff. So you're you're talking more like four or five people rather than just one. Um, but I think it's not that much of a barrier to appointing somebody. Surely, if you're Mikel Arteta or Freddie Umberg, and someone comes to you and says. Right, we're offering you the job of head coach of Arsenal, and here's a budget to go and put yourself a team together. I mean, mm. surely that's something you would relish, really. And, For sure, yeah. Know, be excited to put together your guys and your team and rely on experience, people you've met in the past. Um, I don't think, you know, 
the fact that Emery arrived kind of as a package with a historic team working alongside him, I don't think that is that big a factor. I can't believe that myself. Yeah. No, I think they can put the staff together. Certainly, you know, Emery would have a core staff, but I think the goalkeeping coach, um, Javi Garcia, came in later, didn't he? He wasn't there from, from the very start. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, exactly. And he's still working alongside um, Sal Bebo, who I think was there before and would probably stay on. Yeah. Um, and then you'd think Freddie Umberg would remain probably on the first team staff, whatever happened. Um Look, he's in an academy role at the moment, but you've also got Steve Bold there if you want some continuity. Mm. People like Ryan Gary, who's been coaching at the club for a long time. You could call upon some internal appointments if you wanted as well to yeah. kind of flesh that out. Yeah, for sure. And and look, I, I don't think um, if it was Freddie Jumberg or if it was Mikel Arteta that they would have any problem in getting the staff that they needed. So what would they need? An assistant? Mm. Um couple of first team coaches a goalkeeping coach what else you know all the rest of the staff are, are surely club staff in terms of you know um the sort of medical staff the fitness yeah. staff or you know you might have a dedicated fitness guy or whatever yeah. if, you, if you wanted to yeah i mean emery's got a guy that he brought in with him but you know shad forsyth staying <laughs> gary driscoll <laughs> staying so that whole performance side has been built so that it should be robust enough to um to, to basically stay, you know, when a coach moves on. So uh, really, it's only three or four. It's only three or four yep. potential appointments. But, you know, when you look at the cost of getting rid of three or four and then appointing three or four more, uh, you know, that is substantial. But, mm. you know, I, I, they obviously should do it if it's the right thing to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mikel Arteta, you know, he could call up, I don't know, Chabi Alonso, somebody like that, to be his assistant. Mm-hmm. Luis Boamorte, assistant at Everton. Yeah, that's sort of uh, mm. odd seeing that. Yeah, not it? working out well, really. But no, no, it's not. Really <laughs> and I don't, shame, you know, I don't think that's Luis Boamorte's issue as much as Marco Silva. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. He did some scouting for Arsenal for quite a long time. Luis Boamorte. He did. Yeah, one of my uh, first level connections on LinkedIn as well. You know. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Um, we, we, we trade in mails all the time. Oh, no, we this don't. Was f- <laughs> I, no one really uses LinkedIn. If I try and contact you via LinkedIn, I'll just tell you now, anyone listeners, that is my last resort. That is my my last resort. Um, so Ben James on Twitter says, mm-hmm. as they're all the rage at the moment, what is your Arsenal 11 of the decade? Arsenal 11 of the decade? Okay. Um, right. Let me, I'm going to have so, to write this one down. Um, okay. I can help you out a bit because uh, I had to help Amy Lawrence do hers for a thing recently. So, right. goalkeeper. Chesney. It's going to be Chesney for you, is it? Yeah. Okay. I'm the other f- contenders were Czech. Um, I mean, that is sort of it, isn't it? Len- mm. I mean, I guess Leno. Leno. Fabianski. Almunia. Yeah. Was Almunia still... Uh, not sure if he was. Maybe just about 2011. Anyway, regardless of that, Chesney. Chesney. Right back. Hector, I love you, man, but Sanya. Top tier Sanya. I, th- I think that's the right choice. Um, central defenders. Uh, Mertesacker. Yep. Koscielny. Very nice. Left back. Hmm. That's... That's a slightly more tricky one. Andre Santos, of course. Of course. How, yeah. 
How could I forget? Uh, uh, no, I think left back. I think left back's quite easy actually. I, I, I think it's got to be Monreal. Oh yeah, of course. Jesus, how quickly I forget. I know. How quickly that's it. I signed. Sorry, the Nacho. He's gone. He's just wandering around San Sebastian eating pinchos and gone from my mind. Um, midfield, Arteta, Ramsey, mm. and Mesut Ozil. Okay. I think you can have Fabregas just about, <gasps> technically. Can I? Well, he. I think 2011 oh, he left. Oh, Okay. Sorry, Mesut. Depends what your criteria for the team are. If it's like their contribution in the decade or just anyone. No, just how much I like them. Okay. That's just how much I like them. Um, Because I think I can play, I think I can also play Ozil as on the right-hand side of a front three. Okay. So what if you've got Ramsey, Arteta, Fabregas? Yeah. So Arteta at the base... And then Ramsey and Fabregas, or maybe Arteta and Ramsey as a base and Fabregas ahead. I don't really mind. They can work it out themselves. They're good enough. They don't need me to tell them what to do. I'd be I mean, like, team talk is like, lads, get out there and do your stuff. You are missing somebody with I, distinguishing features of being five foot six and having tattoos. Santa Cazorla, of course. Um, central midfield, was it was a good decade for central midfield. That's what we've learned. It was. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to think of a balance, you know? Hmm. Yeah. A diamond? I could play a diamond, but is it Ozil or Cazorla? Ooh. I don't know. That's difficult. I'm surprised that Arteta's a, a nailed on for you. He's definitely in for you, is he? I think you need somebody in that role. Mm. Although, mm. you know, if you just want to play Ramsey, Fabregas, Cazorla... It's sort of like the inverse of the Liverpool midfield right now. You know, where they've got three workman guys in there yeah, doing yeah, the running yeah. around. You've got three forwards, whereas we just have three amazing players in there. Ramsey, Fabregas, like Cazorla. Sort of Xavi, Iniesta, Busquets midfield, you know. Just don't yeah, but see, Busquets away. is a bit, you know, Busquets, Busquets is a bit Arteta yeah. sort of, you know, in terms of that profile. True, true. Um, gosh. Well, what, if you do, what do you want ahead of that? That might make out, because maybe you can squeeze Ozil in elsewhere. Well, that's what I thought. You know, I've got a front three to pick. Um, I mean, it's hard not to think Aubameyang would be right at the very top. Yeah. In terms of striker. I mean... You do like Giroud, though, as well. Yeah, but I think... I think if you're talking about, you know, Giroud is a good goal scorer and a scorer of good goals, but Aubameyang is just an out-and-out fucking... Monster, I, agree. I think you got goal-scoring yeah. monster. So, yeah, Aubameyang up front. I'm trying to think: is there anybody else I would play? Alexis Sanchez. Alexis Sanchez, like peak Sanchez. Peak Sanchez, I think, is as good a player as Arsenal have had. I think in this last ten years, that is good. So, if he goes in. I got Alexis then from the left, Aubameyang up front. I mean, I don't think you'll pick Robin Van Persie, will you? Oh, fuck, I forgot all about him. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think I can. I mean, could. That's fine, consign him to the, the bin. Mm. The bin of despair. I'm a bit torn over the 
I'm a bit torn over it. You see, Alexis and Ozil worked really well. Yeah. Mm. What if you had Ozil and Alexis behind Aubameyang? That's where I'm. Know. Yeah, that's kind of what I've written down here. But then that's you've. you've but then got I've got to, to figure get... out Cazorla. Uh, Fuck it. Ramsey, Fabregas, Cazorla in the centre of the park. Sorry, Mikel Arteta, I like you. You'd be a good sub, you can be a good captain from the bench, which is where we have all our captains anyway. Mm. So Cazorla, Ramsey, true. yeah. Okay. Chesney, Sanya, Mertesacker, Kashali, Monreal, Cazorla, Ramsey, Fabregas, Ozil, Alexis, Aubameyang. Get it fucking on. Get it on. Think about Arteta the football manager. they play. He might be an Arsenal manager before the end of the decade anyway, so yeah. Before he, the end of the week. The <laughs> um, that would, I mean, yeah, it's, we've had some good players in the last 10 years. Yeah. Would, particularly in the attacking part of the pitch. Any, any, anything, would you do anything different to that team? Or is there, have you got preferences? No, or? I, I think that's, I think, I mean, Van Persie was outstanding, I do think. Yeah, he was. Um, as much as he has tarnished his legacy. Uh you know, I, I think I, Alexis, you've got to have. Yeah. I think with Van Persie, like, he was outstanding because we really, really needed him to be outstanding. He kind mm. of carried the team in a way. And when you think about the fact that it was Alex Song, who was basically his chief provider, um, it, it makes it even more remarkable. But I just think that, you know, if you've got Ozil in your team, you've got Fabregas in your team, you've got players who can find Aubameyang, you know, they could pick the ball up on the edge of their own box and within two passes, Aubameyang will be through on goal. Mm. And that's how good the, the, the passing range and the vision of those two guys is. So Van Persie can sit it out. And I think, who else will people have arguments over? I think that... Danielson. Uh, Danielson, obviously, Song. Um, Bentner, of course, we didn't even mention. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think maybe some people will have arguments at goalkeeper. I think... People really like Leno, don't they? And yeah, yeah, yeah. Czech had a, you know one or two good years. At I doubt anybody would be picking Czech. Do you think? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, he's a very nice man, but I don't know that anyone would pick him as the the goalkeeper of the decade. I mean, it, you know, um, I thought Chesney was going to be our goalkeeper for years and years and years until he, you know, did what he did, and then we did what we did, which was really stupid by selling him to Juventus for ten million. Yeah, yeah. While Liverpool bought his his number two from Roma for like 70 odd million the fuck well, Arsenal Czech did win a golden glove imagine that an Arsenal goalkeeper winning mm. the, the award for most clean sheets feels a long way away right now but uh, yeah I, uh, who else I think some people would argue for Bellerin I would go for Sanya definitely mm. um, I just thought he was absolutely brilliant one of the most sort of underrated players in the Premier League in his time Koscielny Mertzaka I think that picks itself doesn't it um, yeah, central defence has been... Especially because they were such a good partnership. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, I think, I, think, I think we've sort of... We've pretty much been through all the, all the options there. That's a good one. That's a decent team. And obviously, uh, Amari Bischoff um, himself would be... Of course. Backing everything up. Okay, final one, because I think we should go. Um, this comes from Daily, at Daily AFC. And he says, have you ever eaten a whole unchopped cucumber as a snack? And is it okay to munch away on one for breakfast in an open plan office? It would be a, quite the visual. I don't, um, I'm not a massive fan of cucumber. So, okay. 
Are you, you're not one of those people who just can't eat cucumber because it tastes like ground up dirt because a lot of people have that thing. It's a taste bud thing, isn't it? It's like... I really like coriander. Some people just yeah, like... Yeah, no. parsley as well. Yeah. No, it's I don't like have that. that. I've got a, a bit of an... I was in a play... I've, t- I've told this story before, I think, where I was in it for, like, months and I had to eat cucumber sandwiches. It was the importance of being earnest. I had to eat cucumber sandwiches on stage throughout and sort of since then I'm like, please, I don't want any cucumber. It's really right. stayed with me, that version. But also I don't like... There's a big trend in London of putting cucumber in, in water. In water? What the fuck? Yeah. I honestly, no. I'm not happy with that. No, that's... Gin and tonic it appears in. I can live with that, but... Nah, that's bullshit. Not in, in water. I know some people like it in gin and tonic and particularly uh, the Hendrix gin. Yeah. Um, but, like, it's one of those things that people actually actively um, dislike. So putting cucumber in the water when you know that potentially 25% of your customers are going to hate cucumber seems a weird thing to do. I don't want cucumber water. If I wanted cucumber water, I'd be ordering it. Do I don't, I mean? Yeah, I don't mind cucumber, but it's not something I would seek out and um, use very often. If if I get a dish and there's some cucumber in it or a salad and there's some cucumber in it, I'm perfectly okay with that. Mm. But I certainly are wouldn't Are you buying go- a cucumber? No. no. I can't remember the last time I've bought a cucumber, like... Uh, genuinely, I can't remember. Um, and would you just gnaw on one? No, I definitely wouldn't. That seems like a weird thing to do, especially in an open plan office where potentially lots of people don't don't like cucumber too. So it feels like it'd be noisy as well. Yes, and people these days need to eat more quietly. Is this your sort of manifesto? That would be one of the that would be one of the things certainly. Sure. Um, I, I have a strong aversion to the sound of people eating, um, you know, that yeah, sort of thing. That sort of yeah. thing, or or you know, if you're in the if you're in the cinema and there's somebody behind you eating crisps, it's like oh, oh yeah. What's the worst thing they could be eating? What's the worst thing they could be eating? Like the noisiest green Pringles, because the combination of the sound of Crunchy Pringles and also the smell. I of, hate that. Are they the sour cream ones? Yeah, I hate them as well. They smell like they smell like socks. Bad I socks. I don't understand how people are eating that. They're very popular, but for me, that's like my yeah. you know coriander or my whatever <laughs> my cucumber. That's my They're cucumber. Disgusting. My my the bar I go to sort of fairly regularly uh, here in Dublin. They, you know the. The snacks that they do are, you know, peanuts, mm. which, of course, are the king of all um, bar snacks. But Pringles, they do those little individual um, little packets. Yeah, yeah, little yeah, things yeah, of yeah. Pringles. So they have, like, the red ones, which are bland and horrible. Um, and they have the blue ones, which I guess are salt and vinegar. But, this, you know, if someone sits beside you at the next table and they, they open up a pack of those, it's like... Ugh. I'm going home. I can't stand this. It's fucking horrible. So yeah, that would be that would be the worst thing for me. I am inclined to agree. Yes, uh, I, I in the cinema they do these nachos that really smell weird. Um, mm. I'm not a fan of those. There's a lot of those going on, and it's like this cheese sauce that's like not really cheese. No, I can't cope with that. Guys, it's only two hours. You know, have have a sandwich before you go in. 
Although I believe this new Martin Scorsese film is, what, three and a half hours? So take a packed lunch, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Order a delivery. Yeah, I get delivery. Delivery yeah. in the middle of the, the thing. Just a guy coming to the cinema. Yeah. Pizza for so and so. I yeah. think that's reasonable. The Irishman. It's about this the it's about Irishman. this Irish man who um grew up in Yorkshire and lost is his it? accent. And now right. he just sounds different every day of the week he's got a different accent. Wow. What a traumatic Com- film. No wonder it's won so many awards and stuff. Compelling stuff. Yeah. Um all right, well look, I think we should leave it there. Because Listen. um we started the podcast, we did the middle of it, and then we finished it. And, and no one can take that away from us. That's very true. We've got through another interlull. We've got uh, some football coming up this weekend, of course. Whether that's good or bad remains to be seen. Um, it's probably bad. It, ha- it, it has to be good. It has to be. They lost a match 9-0, Andrew. Yes, but... They were at home. I know, but that's... <laughs> That's going to be the thing that we talk about on Monday. I know. We're going to go, I know. they lost 9-0. And we and they- lost 9-0 to them. How? We are, yeah, yeah, it's going to be upsetting. All nine goals scored by Shane Long, the Irishman. Of course. Fucking- from a total diff- distance of night of like a yard yeah. from the goal. <laughs> Fuck you, Martin Scorsese, and your football. Um, All right, well, look, we leave it there. Thanks as ever for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. We will catch you on the next one. Until then. Bye-bye. holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply.